Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm trying to stop doing silly voices. Oh, but that's what people uh, tune in for. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think I may have turned a corner and I need to. Oh, like um, on, a, on another show or because of this one, I would say there's plenty of room for voices. Really? Yeah. Okay. I worry. I worry. Well, I made a remark the other day on Twitter. And I, I, it was probably ill-advised, but um, there's a very well-known podcaster who, for some reason, I guess I've just heard him on a bunch of shows recently, and he he has this tick. Every you know, people have ticks. I have many ticks. Mm. That's what I'm working with. Okay. He does this thing where he says the first seven syllables very high, and then he talks very low every time. When he starts to talk, yeah, it's, and it's almost always exactly seven syllables. He, he's, he says a little bit like, like Jiminy Click. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. And so uh, I thought, you know, what? shame on me. Because <laughs> what do I say? I say, <laughs> what do I usually say? What do I, it's like, hello. Or, no, <laughs> that's, my, that's my Heidi Klum voice. I don't even know what voice I do. But I woke up this morning, do 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 and I says to myself, I says, when I speak with Dan mm. on our very special Christmas episode, mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to do a silly voice. Should I keep doing silly voices? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. I mean, Hello. Br- there you go. I was going to say, bring the elf. It's the elf. We okay. need the you want library, you library elf? elf. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Dan. It's me, library elf. I'm here to remind you about your books. Uh, it's very close to my Heidi Klum. 16 yeah. designers. How does, uh, so. how does, what does library elf do for Christmas? <laughs> well, he was raised Catholic, but he's oh. not currently observant. Okay. Okay. He's so busy checking on your library books. <laughs> right. He he's, doesn't see, he doesn't have time yeah. to make toys. Checking it, checking it twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, how are you, Dan? Are you I'm well? good? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah. I, I know you have mixed feelings about holidays. Yeah, mixed, the mixed feelings are there. I mean, I, I like to see people having fun, and that makes me, I guess, feel good. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. Your, your machine learning seems to be working very well. Yes, it's adapting quickly. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I like this one. Um, I'm into it. I'm pretty into it. Yeah? Yeah. What, do you, what did you get, the Bando? What did we get, Bando? What did we get, Bando? Uh, that was mainly the the the, the gals were uh, were doing that. Um, my wife doesn't know this yet, but she'll be getting uh, a greeting card, a shared greeting card from my daughter and me, and she'll also be getting a great greeting card uh, from the lizard lizard and the cat. Mm. It's just that my daughter had this idea that this is really really unfair to our pets. But, and, and if they ever find out about this, they're going to be so mad. We, we frequently portray them as having human qualities, but not being very smart. Oh, as you can right. see on the, on they're the, like, unban- d- they're dumb people. It's, it's a little bit, I can't have cheeseburger, but you know, <laughs> yeah. but very nuanced and funny, you know, when, when Bando's in the laundry basket and says, I am laundry now and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So the, since the, since the animals are confused, they, they did get my wife, uh, uh, a card for the holiday, but they're confused. So they accidentally bought her a bereavement card oh, and, no. and it's signed by both of them. There's paw print, you know, and, it, and then it says in, uh, you know, you do the thing when you write with your left hand and mm-hmm. my, my daughter did that and it says, um, <laughs> this is Christmas card. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's my favorite thing she's getting this year. Cause it's, it says bereavement stuff on it. 
I used I, to, I used it. to like to it. give her uh, like a Hanukkah card or like a, an inappropriate card. You know, like well, an African American couple on the front. You know, you got to keep your marriage alive. You know the one that the, the best one that I ever gave was in, instead of a Christmas card, it said "Happy Birthday, Nana," which was you know <laughs> that was a good one. So I let me love, let me ask you a question. I love you. And this one may, I'm sure you have an answer for this. Okay. Are you sure Bando is male? Am I sure? Um, no. I mean, I've never really gotten in there. Uh, I'm. I mean, they, you know what? I I have. Are you I, just going I, on faith that that, that it's male? It was male? stipulated to me by the pet store that he is a boy lizard, hmm. but I would not have. I don't know enough about lizards. I spent a fair amount of time learning about you know brumation. And, uh, and what to look for in his pee poops, you know, what kind of, what we're really looking for with that, how to feed a hornworm, that kind of thing. Right. I haven't More, done a lot of, I haven't done any personal firsthand sexing. Can you sex them based on appearance or do you have to look in their vent? Oh, in the coaca or whatever it's called? Yeah. Co- What's coccyx. It called a coccyx. Coccyx. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, well, cause you know, he's, he's a lizard. So mm-hmm. he makes a pee poop. Have I ever sent you a photo of his pee poop? That's the one it's, thing you haven't sent me a photo of. It's pretty amazing uh, because like a bird, it's a piano poop. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to talk about this for a long time, so please don't worry. But um, but it can be very upsetting to look at, uh, especially when he's fixing to brewmate and he takes a huge, huge lizard dump. And then what we do is we take a photo of that. We send it to each other and say, oh, oh it looks like he's ready to take a nap. And um, Now you said so br- brewmate? I think it's called brumation. Yeah, that's like hibernation for lizards. And so a lizard will go to sleep, um, sometimes for one very long time, sometimes for shorter times. It's a, it's an adaptation, uh, for winter time that they is like kind of in their genes. And so they keep doing it even they don't, they don't really need to, but Mm. a lizard, uh, at a certain point, uh, you know, you're changing body type situation. It'll start to, uh, get real slow and logy, like a middle-aged man. Because it's cold? Like, what if you kept it, what if you took it back to your Florida home and, uh, would it ever brewmate? That's a very good question. Yes, it would. And the thing is, we got a heat lamp and a UV lamp going Mm -hmm. and a heat, a rock. So when he sits and he basks, it's under that very, uh, like a hundred watt maybe, uh, light and on that, uh, heated stone, um, so yeah, that's that's the interesting part. <laughs> well, the interesting being a really relative term is that he doesn't need to because we keep him warm all the time. Yeah, he can choose to be warm. He can go on the warm side or the cool side. He lives basically in the McDLT, and uh, <laughs> the the hot stays hot and the cool stays fresh. So yeah, he can go on either side. But then eventually he'll like uh, lizards will like if they can they'll like hide under something. So he has a little cave that he goes in. If he were in nature, he would probably find I think like he would burrow. Anyway, uh, yeah, and so then he'll sleep. He's uh, slept three times now for as long as, I think, three weeks. And sometimes they'll sleep for like four months. So you just don't have a pet for that time. You don't know when they'll wake up. Uh, so I found an article entitled Brumation Dormant Period in Reptiles, Prevention mm-hmm. and Care for Your Pet. And yeah. it, it basically goes on to say all the stuff that you just said. There's but a lot it, about it, poop because you want to make sure he takes a big dump before brumation well, I don't want to get super into it, but you can have health issues. You got to so, be careful what kind of substrate are you working with. You don't want them to eat little rocks. You know, you want to make sure because, like, uh, like Lonely Sandwich, I think his lizard had had some health problems because of brumation. It says, that, it says that 
That, um, that's a sentence. Um, <laughs> you never thought you would. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I might want to run that back. Yeah. Lonely Sandwich. Yeah. His lizard had some health issues with brumation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So ask away. It's. I mean, he's he's such a sweet, precious boy, and he he's so dignified. If you really one word, I said to my wife this morning. I said, if you had to describe Bando with one word, what would it be? And she said, dignified. I said, he's he's a very dignified little man. When when he is brumating, can you handle him, or does that disrupt this is, the brumation? That's a very good question. Well, we're new at this and we're learning, but like, he's not drinking. He already doesn't drink very much. Um, I guess like you, he's kind of a teetotaler. And <laughs> yes, so just he, like me. Uh, well, you have ethical qualms. <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember. So he, um, so he'll, um, he's not going to be drinking water though. And he, he doesn't drink much water anyway, but this is real weird. You have, you give, you give the lizard a bath, you know, every few days, let him stomp around in the water a little bit. And I'm still trying to crack this nut, but you need to put it in water during brumation. Yeah, okay, so I'm just on that section coincidentally right here. It says, I don't know how you do it without waking him up because each during, time we've done it, we wake him up. During hibernation, a mammal is sleeping and does not have to eat or drink, but brumation is not a true sleep and the reptile still needs to drink water. A brumating reptile may have days where it will ta- where it will wake, show some activity, drink water, and then go mm-hmm. back to its dormant state. Chipmunks this is, um, are the one oh, sorry, mammal that it truly hibernates. They're, they're just, I wanted to mention that. It says here. Also, I mean, bears, right? It says chipmunks, though. So oh, chipmunks. Okay, I That's like what a chipmunk. It says. Yeah, chipmunks. It's like a cute squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. What was I going to say? Brumation, sleeping, water. Yeah, he did that a couple times. So this is a, here's a here's a tip for you. Productivity tip. I've mentioned this before. I think it's very valuable to have a calendar, right? And so on your calendar, for me, I have my main calendar. My main. Google Calendar calendar. Mm-hmm. And as you probably know, uh, in Google Calendar, your primary calendar has special things about it for a variety of reasons not worth going into, but you get that as your main calendar. That should be your your you calendar of stuff that will die if you don't do it on that date and time. Mm-hmm. Or there will be, you know, severe consequences. Um, but you know that. You know me. You know me in calendars. And then I have a calendar that the, the family shares, and um, <laughs> mostly I look at, and to some extent my wife. But that's where we put stuff like that's you know pickups and drop offs, and mom has an event at work at this thing, and so forth. I also I also uh, think it's very valuable to have non actionable calendars. I'll call it right. So I have one called environment, as I mentioned here before, which is super valuable, which is just stuff that I don't need to do anything about that mostly involve other people or things that I don't, that really can't or won't have anything to do about them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. so two examples for the environment calendar would be, you know, Dan is in town for these three days. He told me that a long time ago and I put it on the calendar. So now I'll know, or Dan's out of the country for these 10 days. And right. I know that. And so, you know, when you find that out the same way that when I find out somebody's birthday, I put it on my calendar or put it in the contact, right? Just, yeah. Captured, couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then I also have one that I really like a lot. That's just called journal, and journal is just where I make sure that I have a dated entry, usually with an emoji, for something that started or ended or happened of some import on that day. So I could do something like, well, let's be honest. Like I started taking a new medication in this amount on this day, or I changed that amount of medication on this day. I got a little pill icon. And it's also handy for my dragon. So I can say brumation one started, brumation one ended. Mm. Brumation. And you would be amazed 
Maybe you wouldn't, but like, it's, certainly it's valuable to journal in the sense that most people mean it today where you like, you, you know, you have a prompt and explore your mindscape. But like, I think it's also really valuable to just diary things as my uh, brother-in-law says, or calendar that. Mm-hmm. I think it's very valuable. And uh, that's my, that's my tip. That's my, per, my pound sign productivity tip for your new year. I like it. I can go along with that. Yeah. So he might do it again. I don't know. He's gotten a lot more regular lately. I think um, he's been hungrier lately. And so uh, the family's theory as one is that we acquired our lizard friend pretty close to when he was going to brewmate. So we might have met him at kind of a, a, like a low energy time Mm -hmm. in his, in his, in his, his year, if you like. So now, you know, he's kind of coming back and he's running around and, you know, he's, he's climbing things. Just in time for the holidays. Just in time for the holidays. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. He, um, of course, you know, my uh, my kid and I are uh, at home mostly, and so um, yeah, so we have a lot of bando time during the day, and we let him run around, and he and the cat just they just don't pay any attention to each other. It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. Have they ever interacted at all? Accidentally, uh, and my daughter is just terrified. In particular, that the cat is going to hurt the lizard. But, you know, the cat's an idiot. And she's like 13 or something or 11. She's really old. We don't know how old she is, but she's really old. And she's very logy and <laughs> unmotivated. And one day I have Bando on, I was sitting on the couch. I'm on, I'm on this end of the couch over here. My daughter's on that end of the couch over there. And I'm, I'm holding Bando. And we're just having some Bando time. And the cat comes up like she does. And she stares at me for a while. And then she jumps up on the couch and she literally walked over me and walked over Bando's tail to go and hang out with my daughter. Uh, Neither one of them seems at all concerned about the other. Now, here's the thing. You go on the Internet and you look for you can find photos and videos of bearded dragons and cats that are friends. I mean, is that a thing? Is it like no, it's a a huge thing. They, They they can and do get along. Yeah. Well, they're domesticated, right? I mean. I mean, Bando can barely be bothered to go get a hornworm. We have a giant set of comical, you know, like like you get like those comical scissors to cut a ribbon if you're a mare. Imagine a tweezers version of those. We got these like foot long tweezers yeah. for feeding him live hornworms. Because you know, um, now when horn, he's, hornworm will hurt you. That's what the horn is. I, I was going to ask you about that. Like when I look at these hornworms. Oof. These are the things that we, we have talked about these a long time ago and we talked about them. Yeah. Because they would eat my mom's uh, tomato plants. Then the wasp would come and lay the eggs and then the eggs would grow and eat the thing from the the inside out. Wait. So wait, they would do it in the, in the hornworm or the tomato? The hornworm. So the hornworm is eating on the tomato plants and then the wasp finds the hornworm and it lays its, if you just, we've done this, but I don't, I don't know if I want to talk about this too much, but just Google hornworm wasp eggs or something. Oh, you know what? You did show me that. No, it doesn't, it's on the outside, right? It looks like rice. Yeah. It looks like rice kernels. Oh God, I blocked that out, Dan. Oh God, it's so upsetting. Yes, I do But why, why, I mean, these things are big and they're nasty. They grow so fast. I got a canister. Here's a fun anecdote. Oh, God. I, I, I thought, you know what? We usually get hornworms at a local pet store. Um, that's where we get all the live stuff we feed him. And I thought, you know, well, might as well try it with Amazon. Um, and and it, it's all gone fine, except for one thing, which is, you know, like a deli tainer. Like if you get to-go soup or something like that, you know, the clear thing that you usually put liquids in for takeout. 
like a quart with a lid. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. That, okay. uh, yes. So, so what, what you do is when you buy hornworms, this, welcome to hornworm holidays. Um, you, it, it comes with this gook at what we would think of as the bottom. And it's kind of affixed to the bottom. And then there's this weird plastic fence inside that they kind of hang out on. And then there's a lid that's ventilated. And the idea is you store it upside down on a rack such that the lid is, is down and the gook is at the top. Now they eat the gook, they eat so much of the gook, but then they also make, make dookie. Now the dookie then will fall down and not be in the food generally, okay? So if you could picture that, there's a gook, right. plastic fence, right. hornworm lid. Problem was, oh, this is so like David Cronenberg, the, um, the deli tainer, which is a very low, probably the lowest quality deli tainer I've ever experienced, cracked in transit. Mm-hmm. So that means I had to wrangle 25 tiny hornworms and get them into some kind of container. And it was, it was, this really, is revolting. It's, it, it's doesn't seem like, here's the thing. They're you disgusting. And do they smell as bad as I remember them smelling? I don't, I didn't, I didn't get that. Tomatoes can smell bad. Tomato mm-hmm. plants can smell bad. Might be, you might be, you might be having a uh, synesthesia. Yeah, <laughs> maybe synesthesia. that's, that's I love what that it is. That's what it is. Uh, but I had to wrangle those and like, you know, and, uh, uh, taken separately, it's not a big deal, right? It's like, oh, tiny worm. Hmm, not a problem. Weird wriggly blue thing. That's a fine. Hey, surprise. That's a third thing. 25 blue wriggling tiny worms like <sighs> on the instruction sheet and all in the box and you open it and it's just full of wriggly blue things. So I had to wrangle those and, uh, and they grow so freaking fast. It, it, it'll blow your mind. I'm, I would never buy 25 of these again. There's no way he'll be able to eat all these in time. But hornworms are amazing. And I feel we both, my wife and I both feel terrible every time we do it. We're glad Banda's going to get a, a happy treat. But they're so gorgeous. They really are s- striking looking. Now, in your head, you think of a hornworm and you think of wasp eggs on a hornworm. I a do. Wasp. Yeah, I do. I just <sighs> think of them not being in my life ever again. Yeah, and especially if you've got a smell associated with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I uh, yeah, I was right and wrong about the pets. You know, I, I was I was right about the fact that I would end up doing most of the work on most of the pets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was right about the fact that my daughter would, would not lose interest, but, you know, drift a little bit, you know. Um, but I was wrong about, you know, the uh, just I was overlooking how, how nice it is to have pets. And I'd like to have a dog, but a dog is a lot of work. This is what I try to say to John Syracuse. He won't have it. I told him I negotiated down to a lizard, and he thinks that's a cop-out because I could have had a sweet pupper or doggo. Yeah. But that, that's a lot of work, and it's a life changer to have a dog. Like, that's a, you need, that dog needs to pee and poop. Outside, it needs exercise. It needs to not be crazy. You have a window to get the dog right. And if you don't get the dog right in that window, you will suffer with a not right dog for the rest of the time that you own it. Yeah. Not, not even get into the vet bills. Woof. Anyway, good holidays, though. You know, you're happy to see other people being happy. Yeah, it makes me, it makes me feel good to see people enjoying themselves. <laughs> me too. Um, let's see. You know, uh, you had mentioned that we might do uh, some listener letters this week. Does that still yeah, sound good? Yeah, I would love to do that. Why don't you uh, tell me, why don't we do that? But first, maybe tell me about something you like. I'll just tell you about Squarespace. Oh, Squarespace. Come on. Squarespace. There are so many things, Merlin, that you can do with Squarespace. But it, hmm. the gist of it is Squarespace 
is a website that lets you make websites. How is something that's, like that? that that's how, what does, is that, that's like a, it's a platform is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, like it's one thing to have Pearl to make things with Pearl, but it's another thing to make Pearl. This is like Larry Wall for web, but it's like if Larry Wall produced more walls. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he returns no. Yeah. It's a, or like having food that makes more food. Like how does that even work? Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, well, oh, did you get a new car? Yeah. And it gave me a car. Yeah. Yeah, it gave me another car. It gave me another cars car. Because I want on this account. Yeah. You just keep adding, you just keep adding seats to it. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm struggling with analogies today. But, but so, but you, you couldn't, for example. I think that's change, the spot. I think we're done. I think that's all you're going to say. You can change the settings with a few clicks, right? You couldn't do that, right? No, you can do, you can do that. What about the way that it looks? You just get one way that it looks, right? They say, hey, here's your look. You give you a look, right? No, you got lots of templates that you can pick from, all tons. And they're all okay. like professional. What if somebody comes to my website and they're using a telephone? What will it look like? I mean, it would look good if they were using like an information like telephone. If they're using an information like telephone, a little computer in their pocket, tiny tiny pocket computer, will they be able to even see the website? Will I they think have to they use would. WAP? S- no, it would be optimized for them. It would look beautiful. It would be responsive and adaptive and uh, attractive. I think you're pulling my leg here. Um, no, there's no this way is I would real. be able to sell products or promote my project or business. No, you can do all of those things, and you can even buy domains. They have over 200 extensions to choose it from. It makes there. web. It's a website that makes websites, and then mm-hmm. you can make a website name on there too. You can buy like a like a like they call it a TLD, a top level domain. I could do that. Yes, you could do all of that. This is do what I'm trying to explain. Do I only get to pick one kind of extension? Is is it only two hundred uh, limo? Really, it's not just dot limo. <laughs> no, it's not just dot limo. Okay, <laughs> but for for what you're describing to me, Dan, I have to imagine that in order to get started with Squarespace, it's going to take it's going to take probably a credit card and probably $35,000 to get started. Is that no, right? No, nothing like that. You is can it $35,000 a month? Is that no, what I'll be paying for this? No, no. You can start, I mean... Th- $34,000 a month. No. Oh. Do you want to take another guess as to how much it costs per month to get started? Is it $33,000 a month? No, it is less than that. Okay, all right. I just you, said, it just seems for all these features that you're <laughs> describing, it would have to be prohibitively expensive for me to get started and then pay... For a month, well, what were the prices start at per month? It starts at twelve bucks a month, Marla. Twelve dollars a and month. You get a free trial, and there's no credit card required. That's the other thing people forget. You can I get in there that. and start kicking the tires and get and 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 make make a new website within the website. <laughs> for for nothing, you just can try it out, and then when you like it, and when you're ready to launch, you can use the promo code. It's your show, one word, and you'll save ten percent off your first purchase of the website. Or a domain. And that, they that even is have, almost $34,000 a month less than I had budgeted for Than this. your original... My um, original bid. Yeah. So squarespace.com slash it's your show is where you're going to go to get started. You click that link that's in our show notes or you type that in on, on your, uh, your fancy web browser, squarespace.com slash it's your show. That'll give you the free trial. When you're ready to launch promo code, it's your show. That'll get you the 10%. I told you about off of the website or domain. So go check it out. And thanks very much to Squarespace for being our very last sponsor before mm. Christmas time. Aww. Our Christmas time sponsor. Mm. There's no more sponsors after this. Once I once we're done with this mm. spot, it's mm. straight into Christmas. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks, Squarespace. Buck buck. Uh Palm Seven. Palm Seven. 
It was so big. It was probably the third palm that I owned. Mm-hmm. Looking it up, palm. Shedding. I had the I had the uh, the original like the Palm Pilot. Yeah. Then I had I think I had the Palm Five. Did I have the Palm Five later. That what was, was the really metal pretty. one? Do you remember the all? Yeah, yeah the Palm was the five, 5 was. Yeah, you're right. Like tapered the, at the bottom. Yes, it was really I'm pretty. Looking at a oh, picture so of it now. Oh, so amazing! You could sync your contacts with it. But the Palm Seven was so silly, and it was it was one of those like it was like what it was like the 17 inch power book. It was like. I know probably scores of other sorts of devices that were such an interesting idea, but like in particular, like the 17 inch power book, it was so big, but unlike the 17 inch power book, what it attempted to do was so lame. It was magical for the time, but so lame. You get your Palm seven. Have you look, you're looking at it? I'm it, looking I'm at a picture sure of it right now. It has an antenna. Yes. You had to put up the antenna. It looked like a, like it looked like a prototype for uh, a communicator on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And they would go, no, that's too dorky. Make it cooler, right? Where it's like, it's it's huge and it's it's got this antenna. And, it, and you know, of course, it, it wasn't a phone, right? right? We're not up to the point of the trio. Where, where right. It's, 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 it's the, it was just a, a PDA, right? Yeah. But, and so you put up, I think, God, what did it cost? It cost something like, I want to say 40 bucks a month to quote unquote, get the internet on there. And boy, it was, I, I don't know if it was WAP exactly, but it was, it was basically like using Gopher. That was the internet you got was essentially like Gopher. Uh, I mean, Gopher was great. I mean, for the time, 1993, buddy, woof, that was amazing. Uh, you know, you get your Archie and Veronica and whatnot, but yeah. uh, it was so silly. I remember I was such a douchebag, my stupid dot-com job and I'm out to dinner with everybody. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to check on the stock quotes or whatever. <laughs> Whatever, whatever people at dinner in San Francisco do, let me put up my antenna. <laughs> so stupid. I like the Palm products, and then the trio was great. The was trio great was product. the trio was cool, and my my next door neighbor back in the day had some weird thing that was like it was. I'll use the word chassis. It was a chassis that you put your Palm into that made it a phone oh my god that is so 90s and i can't i can't find this thing but i know it's real yeah, i know it's real knows, tweet at us send, uh, send us a link if you if you remember Home this chassis. that is so 90s oh my god and he, yeah and it was like it, it, i mean do you get a sense of this let me go look it up i wasn't gonna look and but, it had a it had but a it's pretty it, i mean is it as big as i remember I, yeah. I remember it being big yeah so on top of that now you think about like it's more than a case mm-hmm. on a chassis. Like, yeah. Would it? Okay. Oh, so if anybody knows this, please tell us. Oh my god. And it, it and then, like it had the technology that made it a phone and the hardware mm-hmm. that made it a phone inside of this. And you would you were talking into the chassis. You would t- yeah, and you would it, it sort of fit around the palm somehow. Oh, I'm getting you. I'm. Get, it's basically it's a. It, it's like a case for a palm that has the guts that make it be a phone. This is what I remember. But I doubt, I doubt that, for example, you, I mean, because everything was in, in the OS. Oh, God. Okay, so first of all, it's not as big as I remember. I remember it being huge, just the, compared to the ones I'd had before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the Palm 5 was so classy. Put some classy in a chassis. Oh, look at that. Look how pretty that is. And the fonts looked really good. I was so good at graffiti. Ugh. 
Oh, graffiti. I was just telling a friend about graffiti and because on the Apple watch, um, there is a, there's mm-hmm. a way to reply to, to text that sort of lets you the works better than you'd expect. It works really well. And it can tell the difference between an upper and a lowercase pretty funny. But you know, what's weird is I will use, I still have the entire graffiti alphabet memorized from years of using it with the Newton and then the palm that, I mean, like I remember how to write the E and the K and all the other weird ones. Mm-hmm. And I find that I use those when I'm <laughs> trying to respond on the Apple watch to people. And of course it doesn't understand them and doesn't oh, know what they funny. are. That's it's like the first time you touch the screen on your laptop. Well, you probably don't, but like it's people who primarily use iOS devices or use them a lot. Like it's my so kids weird. do the it first, all the time. Oh, absolutely. And you're like, ah, don't do that. Don't, uh, was it called graffiti? Is that the right one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't know what the heck we're talking about back in the ancient times, uh, when the Apple Newton came out, it was, it was hailed as having really awesome, um, really awesome handwriting recognition so that in theory you'd be able to write in printing or even cursive a sentence out and you might Mm -hmm. type something like or write something like hello how are you and it would translate that into you know snorkel mountain face and that was as as heavily made fun of by Doonesbury yes Doonesbury had an awesome uh awesome comic about it and so um they as a response to this, a third-party developer came up with something called graffiti that presented a little square box, a rectangular box that would sit kind of floating at the bottom of the screen, and you could, you would use the stylus that was provided and write individual letters inside of this small box, so that you would you if you and and the letters all had. Some of them looked kind of like a cur. Uh, a cursive version of, of, of the were, letter. Some of them were very intuitively similar. Like, an, I think, you know, it, it, so like if you had to do, I'm trying to remember the difference between like, was it an I and an exclamation point? But there was like, there were some that required just one line mm-hmm. and they would teach you by saying, showing a dot and then a line mm-hmm. and say like, hit, hit here and then go down or hit here and then go up or right. make this shape starting here. So three and E, like you do different things and what was the one that was like almost like a Y? Was it might have been Y where you do the swoop, curving down to the right, a loop, and then back up. Mm-hmm. I, I was the same way for years. Like that's it was almost like the way my my grandmother had done so much Greg shorthand in her life that it, it would be interspersed in everything she did longhand. They're like you know because you you could do an E really fast in Greg shorthand. But anyway, it was it was incredibly powerful. It, it took there was a learning curve, but once you got it, you didn't have to think about it at all. I mean, surprisingly, <laughs> given that you're writing and in the 90s, you're writing on a screen with a stylus in, in this, this monkey ass, not English. Mm-hmm. It was actually surprisingly intuitive. And then what, what you do, like a left to right, when you do like a left to right horizontal line for a period or something like that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they had all these, but after you do, it sounds complicated, but after you do it for a few days or even a few yeah. hours, it becomes second nature it's fun. and it's, it's never left so me. Fun. It's never left me. That's still really, I, I don't have it now, but I'll bet you like somebody speaking Spanish, like I'll bet you within 20 minutes of using it again, I'd get a lot of it back. That's so wild. Oh, I want to find the palm, palm and it's called graffiti. Uh, and so then why are we telling them? Nobody hears about this. Um, then you get apps and you could, it was basically a PDA, personal 
digital assistant, right? PDA, yeah. Public display of Public appreciation. Display of oh, yeah. This is before the hipster PDA, mind you. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so you'd um, you do, but then like then you have to sync it. You have to put it in the cradle to charge, and the cradle would also go to a serial um, Apple serial. What what was that called? What Apple Jacks. The, uh, Apple Jacks. Apple Jacks. It was. <laughs> you go. You attach your corn pop uh, to your Biden, and uh, <laughs> then it would sync, and it would take a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was wild. Oh, graffiti. Oh, look at this. This takes me back. Um, anyway, so here's the thing. Why, why is this interesting? It's not. It was just, it was an exciting time. It was not prohibitively expensive. It was costly. I mean, it was probably what? The, the original one I got, Palm Pilot, was what? Probably 200 bucks, 300 bucks, something like that. Yeah. But it was so cool. Why? One day I left mine at Publix and I never got it back. Really? I left How? it at the checkout at Publix. Oh no! Yeah, I was really sad. I was very, very sad because now what am I going to do for my shopping list? <laughs> yeah, and I think if memory serves, I don't remember which one it was. I think David Allen had a hand in um, might have been Agenda, but he had a hand in one of the um, really good Palm organizing apps, and uh, he has a uh, like a really good story about uh, the development of that. Oh yeah, yes. When I was with my close personal friend David Allen. One night having wine at dinner, he did tell me the story. Yeah, he had some really ambitious. I think one of the reasons that David was so disappointed with, uh, disappointed of or skeptical of so many of the apps for do quote unquote doing GTD is that, well, first of all, he has a very specific idea of how you do GTD. He invented it. Like, if you don't do it his way, you're not really doing GTD. Right. It's his, all, it's his thing. It's he his can thing, say, hey, I he, think we should all acknowledge make the rules. And, yes, yes, yes. Um, and he, but he can't, he made some really good points. Cause I was always like, Oh, check this out. And this on these things. And what do you think? And, wah, wah, wah. and people are always asking him like, how do I do this? He's like, just do it on paper. Like that's, it was designed to be done in like a three ring binder with, you know, two sheets of paper. <laughs> if you can't do it that way, you'll never be able to do it in an app. Like don't ever think this. Um, but I think part of that came out of a mix of skepticism and frustration where like, First of all, frustrated that he never got to make, he had this vision for an app that never happened. That was yeah. going to just be this like, which one, what, what was the one? It was going to be this, like one of those, you know, there's been so many attempts over the years to make the all-in-one app, like to take something like Outlook and like, you know, add two orders of magnitude, right? Where like, you know, and people have tried things like what? Like uh, Insticky or there's been things like uh, Lotus, Lotus Agenda. Is that is that the uh, one everybody loved? Oh, yeah, I remember that. There's also, but that's as distinct from, I believe, a Palm app called Agenda, but I could be misremembering. Anyway, but that's something that people have been trying to do for years. I mean, probably since Mitch Kapoor, like, you know, put cells on a screen like there have been people who have been like, oh man, think about what we could do with associating all of this data to other data, you know, and you could do that in a clunky way with Entourage. But David, I think really had a vision for if he were to make a GTD app of his own, like his expectations for that were, would be so high. And it's just, he's just like, he's like, no, we could, nobody could do it because the technology just wasn't there. But then I think the other part that I think is really uh, maybe almost as important, more important, I don't know, is he would always say, you know, your system, whatever it is, is only as good as your leaks. It's mm -hmm. only as good as how well you are implementing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. 
And as we've talked about here, uh, we we'll go back to our old GTV episodes. That's for most people. That's review, and for me, it was definitely review. People fall down on the weekly review, or however often you're doing it. And like, if you don't do that, you're not doing GTD. You know, right. so right. and he would say very specifically, like, look, whatever system you come up with is only going to be as good as its weakest link and how much you can trust it. So don't come up with too fancy of a system for any of this, whether that's email calendar you know, data soup, whatever you come up with, remember that like, if you stop trusting it, it doesn't work anymore. And it's hard to screw up two sheets of paper. Like that's, that's something where like you, there is a value to doing GTD on paper and not overthinking it, doing it exactly in the same way. I have to say in the same way as Tony Buzan's um, idea for mind maps is pretty different from the way most people do mind maps, right? Most people do mind maps uh, in one of the, one of the many wonderful apps for doing mind maps. His idea of mind maps, and I think we talked about this a million years ago, it's very important that you follow his rules very specifically. You've got to use paper. You've got to, you've got to draw it. It has to start as a thick line and move to a thin line. And the letters of what you're writing have to touch the line. And like, it's just, it's, and you think that sounds like a distinction without a difference until you do it. And you're like, oh, I got some, I got some Pentel sign markers and some pretty nice thick paper, and I really see what he's talking about. Same goes for GTD. So anyway, that's, uh, that's the name of that tune. Well, I, um, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't argue with the, the guy can, that created it. What can it. you do? Who'd you listen can't do a thing. Yeah, who would listen? Maybe we can put, I'll see if I can, uh, I got a little time this morning. It's only Christmas Eve. Um, I will, uh, I'll see if I can dig up some good graffiti uh, and palm links for notes just for my own satisfaction. Dan, okay. uh, if people wanted to find uh, show notes for the final, final episode of, uh, the, of, uh, of the decade for the Back to Work program, uh, where would they go to find show notes for episode uh, Diggity 457 of your Back to Work program? Wait a minute. Is that true? No. We're going to be no. recording uh, New Year's Eve, won't we? Dan, if people wanted to find <laughs> mm, show notes for the pen ultimate episode, oh, that's going to be a, a five by five dot TV slash B is in brothers, two is in the number, W is in Wikipedia slash four five seven. Uh huh. If you want the last one of the year, you go to four five eight. Yeah. If you wanted to talk about about uh, elder care, you should have called in during the pets episode. Yes. Graffiti and palm. Dan, I understand that you may have some um, uh, letters from listeners, actual letters from actual listeners that we can answer here on the program. I do. Now, my assistant Dan, as you know, I have not seen any of these letters because I, I, I yeah, you're, you're out now. email. You're out. out. All the way out until we get the, the tech on this fixed. Dan takes the bullet for me, uh, but it also provides the opportunity uh, for him to be the Ed McMahon to my, to my Karnak. And to um, present uh, uh, some actual letters from actual listeners. I just cannibalized so many bits from late night NBC shows. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, Mr. Bill. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I remember Mr. Bill. I used to love Mr. Bill. Okay. He was always running into some kind of trouble. Let's see. Um, Do you need a minute? No, I've got... I can talk I'm, more about I'm, Palm. I'm, no, I'm trying to think of which one I want to start with. Because some of these are just thoughts. Some of them are... I'll start with this one. It's just kind of a, th a thought. Mm, it's more of... Would you say it's more of a comment than a question? Yeah. Listener David writes to say, uh, One thought on the listener who asked about exercise routines in episode 455. 
A lot of geeky types are motivated by figuring out complex systems, and our bodies are complex systems, so I personally found it a lot easier to exercise when I found a way to exercise that got me curious in figuring out what was going on, uh-huh. e.g., I thought jogging was really boring, but when I started doing Tai Chi, it was really interesting to watch how my body reacted to the different movements, to try to understand the subtle points that my teacher was giving, etc. David. Um, thank you, David. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that to get into something like that, it helps whatever it is you're going to get into, especially if it's something that's, that you suspect or know will be challenging. I think there's a couple of pieces. I mean, one is you, you do have to kind of have fire in your belly. You have to, mm-hmm. you have to want it and be willing to push through the times that it's annoying or difficult or inconvenient. But I do feel like, especially with geeks, maybe, well, I think it's kind of true for everybody, but especially geeks, I think it helps to have a hook of some kind um, that you don't want to become too reliant on the hook, right. but the hook, the hook could be something as simple as a treat. Like you, maybe you get to have a Jamba juice uh, when you've done a certain, you know, workout. Um, maybe you, um, maybe you, I don't know, you could even, if you want to go with stuff like that, you could also like, you know, buy yourself a treat from, uh, you could buy yourself a Palm five, you know, if, if yeah, you do a thing. That's, that's right. But those are somewhat extrinsic. I feel like, um, sometimes I have to say sometimes gear, the hook can be gear or like I say, a system or what John Roderick would call a thought technology. Um, like for example, there was the hacker's diet, you know? Mm-hmm. And wait, and now I'm going to get them confused. But there, there are some things where like it helps to have a framework that gives you guidance for what it is that you want to do. Like my wife and I think Matt Howie both did the same diet. It's not the hacker's diet, but it's the one where you literally just weigh yourself every day. And you, you just, it's the dumbest thing in the world, but it was this really effective diet that was going around in the 2000s. It's not even a diet. It's, as John Syracuse would say, it's more of a method, which is just that you write down your weight every day and try to make that weight keep going down. It's just not the, the, the trend line. Like your moving trend line should be going down. And you just eat less food until you weigh less. And just that weird, it sounds like, duh, thanks Merlin, that's really helpful. <laughs> But that's how it works. Like, eat less, exercise more. But you got a hook. And that hook is that you are compelling yourself. Now, now you don't obsess over any one day. One day does not matter. It's the trend line, right? And if you do that every day, though, now you've got a hook. Because every morning, you're going to get on that scale, and you're going to record that either like in a notebook or, Uh you know, a scale like mine that goes to the cloud. It's going to do it for you. But, uh, you know, I, I I think sometimes you need that. It just, it helps to understand your own motivation in a way that lets you find a hook that's wholesome and useful and does not work at crossed purposes. Right. So like, you know, eating, uh, buying yourself a huge pasta dinner at Olive Garden every time you do a workout may not take you in the right direction. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Listener David was <clears throat> Yeah. Listener David. Thanks listener David. So we got a follow-up email from Michael who says, hello, Dan and Merlin. Thanks for the kind words. This is the email uh, that we read a few episodes back. Uh, so he is following up. Thanks for the kind words. I think Merlin nailed what I was getting at with intentionality. And yes, Dan and I met a long while ago. He was a regular, I was a regular commenter on Hive Logic back in the day, right around the time Dan moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. 
I was on a trip back home to Charlotte to see my family and friends, and I got to meet up with Dan on my way through Raleigh. Oh, there you go. I recall Dan was working with a client who wanted a website which cached the output of some XML data feed in a local database. Dan and I got to talking about the project and arrived at the same conclusion. If they're already sending you XML, why not just transform it into HTML with an XSL transform and call it a day. No local database, no muss, no fuss. We both agreed that we were very smart and proceeded to drink bourbon. Then Dan <laughs> taught me how to properly smoke a cigar. Michael. <laughs> oh, thank you, Michael. So I remember that very well now that he is. Uh, I, it's, it's amazing what I can remember if I am prompted to remember oh. it first. Well, ditto with you and the hornworms with the wasp eggs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I do remember that. I have it available. It's just that some of the sectors got slightly overwritten, I think. Uh, um, so this is another so what was the email. What was the email? Remind me. What, 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 I don't even what, know what, what he was talking about before. It doesn't matter oh. because we, we responded it in such a perfect way that it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll accept that. That's a, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good way to, to manage me. Hey, Dan and Merlin colon. Hmm. I'm writing this from drafts for Mac exclamation point. I've been using drafts on both iOS and Mac ever since Merlin first recommended it. I wanted to share some quick follow-up on some good entry-level HomeKit devices. There is a HomeKit-compatible Wemo smart plug, and I'll, you know what? I'll put these links in the show notes. Why not? I have one of those. Uh, that I purchased several of in the past couple of months in order to automate the interior holiday decorations. Costco has a two-pack for 30 which is basically two for the price of one, and there's a link to that. They've been working great for me now for several weeks. I also wanted to follow up on the physical media, music versus streaming discussion. I primarily listen to all my music via streaming, but also like to buy my favorite albums to support the artists making the music. I often buy on vinyl, preferably direct from the band at a show, but I'll occasionally buy a CD or even just grab the album on iTunes. The records and CDs just go on the bookshelf and I often don't even unwrap them, but it makes me happy to know that I'm supporting <laughs> the artist by buying a copy of their album. Cheers, Matt. That sounds really good. So the second part is about physical media. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, you know, I, I'm glad I've got these like super Blu-rays, but um, boy, it is a lot. It is a lot to manage. Um, but I don't know, man. You get the fear sometimes with the way that, you know, we've known for a while now something will be on Netflix for a while and then it won't. Or like, you know, I, I went back to my project from a few weeks ago of trying to download all my stuff from iTunes. But I, I have I paused it for now just because it's so much stuff and I just, it's filling up my drive and like, I'll come back to that. But, you know, I don't love how, I don't love storing the physical media. Mm -hmm. There's a great piece Malcolm Gladwell wrote. Yes, Malcolm Gladwell wrote uh, a few years ago, years back. I remember writing about on 43 folders, uh, <laughs> writing about what he wrote about. But he was writing a thing on why the paperless office like right. never happened um right. and i thought it was it was good i mean he used to be kind of good um and he, he he had the the nut graph at the bottom what he comes up with is it's not that we should be using less paper it's that we should be keeping less paper we should be storing less paper and i was like you know that's a really smart way to look at it paper as a medium for moving stuff from here to there for moving ideas physically is still a really great idea it's just i think you have to be somewhat advisable with whether or and how you store that. Like, when will you need that paper artifact again? And increasingly, I think a lot of us realize you don't now. I mean, it's very different from even that time, 14 years ago. Like, a lot's changed. There's so much more stuff you can do online. 
But like, I just, it's not that I, I don't want to buy media. It's, I don't want to store media. Right. <laughs> it used to be such a flex. I mean, who, who does this now? Like John Syracuse and like one guy with a trench coat, like who has like rows and rows and rows of their anime? No offense. Like I get it, but like, I also need the space for other things like my dolls, you know, my dolls got to yeah. breathe. Yeah, of course. Um, but that's cool. That's cool. And what was the first, what was the first one? Uh, the, the first one was talking about the little Wemo. Uh, oh uh, yeah, so yeah. So I bought one of those for my office because uh, I don't know why I did this. I I laughed at myself on Dubai Friday for doing this. It was so silly. Like I don't even like using HomeKit that much. It's just that HomeKit is coming along, and I have not been able to use it at my office because whereas at home, I got a lot going on at home. But it is primarily like Hue bulbs, which play well with everything. Here at my office. I have a surprising amount of Wemo stuff. I've got it on five lamps, a dehumidifier, and a fan. And uh, when I learned about actually, I think Alex Cox told me about it, the Wemo for HomeKit. Um, yeah, and it works great. It works really surprisingly well. The Wemo app is not great, um, but you don't have to worry about that because you're doing it all through HomeKit. Yeah, here's a life hack. I've probably mentioned this before, but I wish I'd started doing this years ago, but... Um, it sounds kind of lame, but I think it's smart. Uh, you ever get a HomeKit thing? Well, okay, so let me put it in I terms. Uh, I have in the past gotten HomeKit stuff. And a lot of times there's a number or sometimes a QR code on the device, but sometimes there's not. And you have to, uh, so you'll have to scan something like in a booklet or a box or whatever. The better ones have it on the device, obviously. Right. So, so the idea is if you haven't done this, you scan, you go into the home kit or the home app on say your phone and you scan that code and it says, okay, got it. It's, it was really cool. It works great. It says, okay, got it. Do you want to add this to your network? And in fact, you can, you don't even have to go through the app most of the time. I mean, th- which is to say the third party app, you can just do this all in home kit and it's great. Um, but what happens if for whatever reason you stop using that device and you've thrown away the code that you had on a card, uh-oh, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Not, not a huge problem, but I've just made it a practice now of every time I add something to my network with HomeKit, I take a photo of the code. I also, I'll like scribble, if it's not obvious from the box or the piece of paper, I'll scribble what the device is on there and take a photo and then add that to an album in photos so that in the future I can get to it. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, the stuff with Ring. Yeah. Bad. Well, I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know what to believe. It's bad. It's giving me the fear. Yeah. I don't have any Ring devices inside my house, so I'm not super sweating it. But, um, I think yeah, a lot I of people know. have the, like the outdoor, uh, ring, the doorbells and the, yes. but, so, but they have moved into, yeah, you've got security systems, you've got, um, you know, inside cameras, they have the new stick up camera that they're very excited about. Um, and, and then they just, they were doing the thing with the, um, they didn't have, um, HTTPS on the stream to your thing. So, mm-hmm. There's that, and then there was the leak of 3,000 people's information, and it's like, oof, woof, bad stuff. 
I also, I really wish, you know, my wish for 2020 is, well, first of all, I wish everybody wouldn't be so awful and, and do all yeah. these terrible things. But yeah. also I just, I wish, I'm so glad they brought YubiKey to uh, iOS 13. It's so nice to finally have that. Um, but I also, I would love to see more places that are not using SMS for two-factor. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, you just need one slightly corrupt person working yeah. at or or confused person i mean first of all if right you it put, could be a mistake it could have not well, been if you can put an extra code on your account do it but still if you know it, it's almost like you know like in um that episode of the simpsons i think it's the one where mr burns turns off the power he goes through you go through all these vaults and all these security doors to finally arrive in this tiny room with a swinging screen door mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's like well if if SMS becomes the way we're doing two-factor, which it has mostly, uh, and that becomes the keys to the kingdom. That's not great. If if the if you know what I'm saying, like if if you can do a SIM swap that gets you the keys to the kingdom, that sucks. Yeah, it does. That really sucks. Eh, let's talk about something happy. Okay. Uh, the next uh, letter is uh, hi Dan and Merlin. Recently, Merlin, Merlin talked about playing around with a new app called MarkText. He said he was using it, among other things, to create to-do lists. I was wondering, what, when, Merlin's, when Merlin <clears throat> Xs out an item on his list or a project that has more than one item on it, does he, know, does he keep it there, Xed out, or does he just delete it? Right. Also, um, there are times when I open the app to access my list and the list does not show up. Wondering if I'm doing something wrong. Thanks in advance for reading this and addressing it. Regards, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Um, it's kind of, I'm going to split that into a two, one question, two answers. Because um, it's Christmas and it's always two things with me. Um, first of all, MarkText is really cool. It is if, similar to Bear in some ways in that it is, it's a very pretty, I don't know if it's open source, but I believe it is free as in beer, correct? I believe it is. Um, I don't know if it's free as in speech, but it's, I think it's free as in beer at least. And it's a really interesting app that, uh, did you tell me about it? I feel like maybe you told me about it. Maybe I think I did. I, 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 who knows? Okay. Well, anyhow, uh, I would say, check it out. If you're in, if you like to do, uh, if you're living in a markdown world and I'm a markdown girl, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you can check it out. What's, uh, where would you find it? Just Google mark text. Um, it's very interesting. It's very much like Bear in that it is trying to give you a mostly WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get, Markdown Editor. So even though what you're writing to is a text file, it is presented to you formatted. And I I mean, I have friends who love Bear. Bear's cool, but like the fact that this is free and does a very similar thing, I don't know, don't at me. Um, it's very, very clever. So, so the reason I started using this on somebody's recommendation uh, is that I do all my stuff in Markdown, and I uh, I do that all in plain text files, editing it as a plain text file. So I do have some affordances in terms of, um, in some cases, I'll have syntax highlighting for stuff like task paper, but you know I'm still doing most of my stuff in NVAlt, and so I'm directly, you know, I have key commands and stuff, but I'm still using like uh, underscores to italicize, and you know. I'm using asterisks to bold, and I can see that, right? Now, now the thing is with MarkText, it, it formats that such that unless any, so anything on the page where your cursor is not, you see formatted. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to probably get this wrong. But it's just super clever, and then it's got this great thing where it's got this little at symbol. You, you type an at symbol. This is so nerdy. 
And then you can start typing the name of what kind of element you want there. So I'm in a new paragraph. I say at, and I can do paragraph, horizontal line, header one, two, three, four, five, six. I could start a table. Um, I could do a math formula. So I guess it does latex-y, latex-ish things. HTML block, code block, quote block, lists, including yes, to-do lists, bullet list, order list. Then it gets into these diagrams. Have you seen this? Like there's a markdown-ish way to like do Vega chart, flow chart, sequence diagram, mermaid diagram. Anyway, it's really powerful. Um, so first of all, on the mark text tip, uh, I, I still prefer for whatever, you know, like it's the same way that like, you know, similar to the way that Syracuse is like, why would you use markdown? Right. I can just write HTML and BB edit. Right. Of course, the asterisk there is I think he probably has, knowing John, he has key commands out the butt um, that speed that up and probably completions right. and stuff. Right, but, right. Um, and that seems nuts to me where I would say, well, I would just prefer to do it in markdown because the way Gruber designed markdown by design is that it's not only um, easy to write, it's easy to read which I was the attraction for me. So Mark text, very cool. Check it out. Uh, second, I still prefer to do most of that stuff in MVL third or second and a half. When I am doing text-based lists, I'm doing it in task paper format, either the task paper app on a Mac or usually still editorial. Although I'm trying to transition to drafts. Drafts doesn't let you click on the thing to tick something off. Mm-hmm which I really like in editorial. Um, so as far as where I would put an actual, like a functional to-do list, yeah. I would do that in, in task paper. That's where I do that. And as I said before, I just have a handful of ongoing projects. Um, and then I just have a little, little list inside of there. I've, I've, I don't know why I've been interviewed so many times recently, but I've done like three interviews, one yeah. of which is out, two more are coming soon. But, you know, one of the things I said is that it, to the person is that, you know, it's, I still really, I love GTD. I love OmniFocus. I still use OmniFocus every day, but it's not where I do my day-to-day list stuff because the nature of the quote-unquote work that I do is very, thank God for me, very structured and very controlled. And I'm basically repeating the same list of tasks over and over three to four times a week, plus the occasional other thing. And that's pretty much all manageable inside the kinds of lists that I do. What I need to remember is what, what is my focus for today? What errands do I need to do? Right? That kind of stuff. And I can do that all in the amount of text that fits on a page. Um, do I save them? Um, yes and no, mostly no. So in, um, in Task Paper, the app for Mac, uh, you tick something off, Command-D makes it done, Command-Shift-A archives. And what that does is uh, it goes to the very bottom of your document and under a project called archive, you see all of your crossed off tasks. And uh, in the Mac app anyway, it also includes the data was completed and what project it was for, which is kind of cool. I don't get a lot of value out of looking at that personally. So every week or so, whenever it occurs to me, I'll go and delete all the stuff in archive. Yes, that's all backed up in three different places Mm -hmm. if I ever need it, but I don't. (laughs) <laughs> that's the beauty of this is the beauty of the task paper lifestyle is that it's very resistant to distraction, which is not to say you can't trick it out. Now, Rosemary Orchard, who has a great new book on shortcuts that everybody should buy. Um, but Rosemary also wrote a fantastic set of task paper commands for drafts designed for people who know they want to write stuff up in task paper and especially send it to OmniFocus. 
So she's written this up. You, you go, I'll find it for notes. Let me remind myself to find it for notes. It's amazing. Because you can do stuff like you can make parallel or um, or dependency-based projects. You could say due dates, defer dates. Uh, you can do all of that. Um, so I've looked at that, and I think it's amazing, and I can recommend it if you need it. I don't need it. And in fact, the value that I get out of task paper, um, which is, again, not a slag against any other, like things recently came up with this one really good update. Like there's a lot of good apps. I just don't need all that firepower. I don't need a bazooka. I just really need a Derringer because I, I the value that I get out of using task paper or any text-based system is that it, any distraction that could be brought to that enterprise is going to be purely my fault. I can't blame anybody but myself if I'm not doing my quote unquote work. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and this is a, a known risk. I talked about this with John Chigi in that um, procrastination thing is like, there is a danger to feeling like you're being productive inside an app, right? As we have talked about since probably the first episode of this show. And, uh, and I have the benefit or privilege of not needing that amount of structure. When I do need that structure, I turn to OmniFocus. But it's like David Allen says, man, if you can't do it with two sheets of paper, do you really know what it is that you're doing? And uh, so anyhow, that's what I do. I don't need to keep those around. If you're using task paper, figure out what you're using it for. Figure out if you're using it the way that you want to or need to. As I said before, task paper, if you want to get nerdy with the task paper Mac app, it will do really cool filters, save filters, but it's all done with basically text. It's just looking for patterns in text and showing you exactly what the search is for. But I just love, I love that it's easy to make a list. Here's a project with these things, or here's an area of responsibility, if you like, with these tasks. And when they're done, they're done. Um, and that that's really it. And if you need more firepower, get more firepower. But I would say look for the minimum viable productivity system. The minimum viable. I like it. M. B, P. Do we have time for one for one more? Jesus, yes. Okay. <clears throat> Wait, what was I going to do? Rosemary Shortcuts book. Okay. Hi, Merlin. Hi, Dan. Richard Hi. A. here with a question that I've long struggled with. How do you recover from disruption? I don't mean in a sense of just being distracted by people and things, but in the sense of getting back into routines and rhythms after they've been disrupted by life. I've struggled to create routines and ways of working, and every time I feel like I'm getting a handle on one, there's a disruption that keeps me from doing them. Some of these are self-inflicted, like going to a concert in the evening disrupting my bedtime routine. Some are external-inflicted, like holidays or illness. Any advice you have on both disruption-proofing your routines and getting back on the wagon of a routine is much appreciated. Thanks again for all the great shows. Richard A. And then there's a P.S. You want to hear the P.S.? Or should we just take... Please. No, no, please. P.S. To follow up on Michael's letter on physical music. Oh, that's what Michael wrote about, physical music. I do collect vinyl and still have all my CDs from high school. He's very into Devo. Devo and Frank Zappa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Save for the ones that were stolen and or gotten rid of because I didn't like the music anymore. I don't stream. (laughs) Stolen because he didn't like them. Yeah. That's what happens if you just leave them, uh, you know, like on on your front porch. I'm still heartbroken. Somebody stole my plant. That's dumb. (sighs) So sad. Are you going to be all right? Or I got a replacement for my birthday, and I'm okay. already killing this one. Ugh. Yeah, it's a, plant, it's a plant I brought back to life three different times. I put it out in the sun to get a sun bath, and somebody stole it. Well, I don't they s- probably thought it was abandoned, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if it's San Francisco and anything on a sidewalk, like whether it's a plant or a dollar bill or gum, is like yours now. Thank you, Richard A. That's Richard A. Well, from he's not episode. done. He's got more. He says, I don't stream. Oh, geez, I, I'm sorry. I buy or sometimes pirate when, I, when getting it legally is prohibitive 
prohibitively difficult. Music, I buy vinyl, I buy CDs, I buy MP3s, and I even have a couple cassette tapes. I store my digital music locally and sync a subset to my iPhone. Streaming worries me because I don't want to pay for music that I can't keep and might go away in the future. It's important to me to have my music and listen on my terms. I'd love to have my music in the cloud, but Plex isn't ideal for me, and iTunes Match doesn't like my anal corner case music organization. Long story, <laughs> no, and I'll spare you. So that's the oh. end of the email. So that, just a recap for, for new listeners. That is, that is the famous, I believe, the famous Richard A. of episode seven? Mm-hmm. That's him. Not five, seven. Five's the one I like. You like seven. Everybody likes seven. It's all been downhill what five since is. Then. Yeah. Uh, 2011, yeah. Hey, Richard A. Um, okay, so you talked about music. What was the part before the music? The part oh, before oh, the music was disruption. Yeah, and how to recover from disruption, whether it's self-inflicted or externally inflicted. How does mm-hmm. one, uh, how does one recover from that? Well, it's the holiday season, so I'm, and it's the optimistic day. So I'm going to give you an optimistic outlook on this. This is a conversation I had with my partner. Literally 15 minutes before we started recording, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were talking about, you know, both of us have struggles with sleep that are, you know, uh, similar but slightly different. And we're talking about, you know, coping strategies for that and like things like CBT, CBT. Cognitive behavioral thing. Yeah, things like CBT. There's all well, different things we do, you know, herbal sleeping pills, like whatever. And we're just talking about that and how we each deal with that disruption. And I think, I'll speak for myself, um, I think my approach to that disruption, uh, which has been helpful for me, may be helpful for you. And it kind of comes down to an old concept from this program. And that old concept that I believe very heavily in is, say it with me, I've decided not to let it bother me. Okay. So that's a thing that, as you know, I occasionally uh, remember to say to myself, I've decided not to let it bother me. So let's go through this again for the new listeners. Uh, it's not just a serenity now. It's uh-huh. not just a way of saying, like, I'm going to eject the bad thought. It's very important to assure yourself that this is something you've decided, Right. It's like keep moving and get out of the way. The and is important. In this case, the I've decided is very important to me. Because what that means is I'm being mindful in the same way that I, mindfulness and meditation works. Like I'm being mindful of looking at this, whatever this thing is in my life, this disruption, let's call it. I've decided to look at that as a thing that happened in the same way that, you know, rain, rain, you, you know, on the sky, not the weather in the same way that, that rain is something that happens to me. It's not something that I am mm-hmm. right. There's a little bit, a little bit Looney Tunes here, a little bit woo woo, but go with me. Yeah. I decided not to let it bother me. So what does that, how does that relate to disruption? Well, in my case, um, just no, I've no, I've had a lot of friends with sleep problems and, um, insomnia and yeah. like, like real insomnia, the kind of insomnia where you eventually get scared to try to go to bed mm-hmm. and your life is filled with dread and that's the worst. Um, and you know, there's a common element to that. Boy, this is, this is really our greatest hits. Cause this also kind of involves the second arrow. Yeah. There's feeling bad and there's feeling bad about feeling bad. It's absolutely understandable to feel that your life has been disrupted in some way. So maybe that's that you got fired. Or maybe it's that like you're having health problems. Yeah. Maybe it's that you woke up again at 4.30 or mm-hmm. 3.30. One of those terrible times where it's like, there's a, there's a pretty good chance I'm just up now. 
You know what I mean? It's one thing to like wake up at one and go, well, screw that. I'm going back to bed. It's another thing to wake up at 530 and mm-hmm. go like, well, you know what the heck? I'll get up and have some coffee. Yeah. It sucks to be in that window in my case of like, oh, man. So do I, can I leave off the oh, man? What, what, what would happen just as a thought technology if I said to myself, I've decided not to let it bother me? Even without uttering those words aloud or in my head, what I can choose to do is look at this as a thing that's happening right now, but it's not me. It's a thing that's happening. Um, and so when that disruption comes along, if you have the wrong mindset, as I so very frequently have, my inclination so much of the time is to cleave that unto me. I just hug that disruption so hard and just hope somehow weirdly hope that it will like become a part of me. Like, why uh-huh. am I doing that? You don't want to do that, but you also don't want to say this doesn't exist. There's, there's something in between, right? There's, there's a difference between, you know, I've decided that the rain is here just to harm me. <laughs> and it's another thing to say, it's not raining. Like there's something in between, which is like, it's raining. Right. And eventually it won't be right. raining. And then it'll rain again. And that doesn't mean that I should stop walking. Right. I'm just going to keep moving. And so, you know, for me, again, with the sleep stuff, it's that uh, then now I have coping strategies because I can say I have a toolkit, really. Right. I could say, well, do I want to tough this out? And like I'm trying to knock down a door, try to go back to sleep. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll say I've said this before, but I'll just say, you know what? I'm going to be up for an hour. I'm going to take a shower. I'm not going to look at my phone. I might read a book, but I'm going to be up for an hour and uh, then I'll go back to bed and I'll go back to sleep. I'm not, it's not, it's not that I'm going to all get out of bed and then I'll try to go to sleep. Be positive about it. Not positive as in sure, but positive as in, you know, sunny. Have a disposition of sunniness, cheerfulness. Yeah. You could say to yourself, um, abandon it and say, (laughs) uh, I'm going to be up for a while and then I will go back to sleep. Um, which sounds silly. And is it self-talk? Yeah, it's self-talk, but you need self-talk. Otherwise you need to be up. If you don't do that. Yeah, that's a good point. If you don't do it, then the self-talk automatically becomes negative and defeatist and uh, fatalistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like I say, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. I mean, I think that I, you know, and you know me, and I love the distinctions and I love the words and the disambiguations. Um, I don't, I, you know, you look at somebody who's too over positive and they seem manic. You look at somebody who's, as they say, a Pollyanna, somebody who's always like, <laughs> it's always, there's always people, whenever I read those inspirational posters on Instagram, I imagine the person's crying. Uh, uh, every day is a gift. Uh. You sound insane. Yeah. I don't think the, I mean, I guess in some um, linguistic sense, the opposite of positive thinking is negative thinking. But from a practical standpoint, an opposite of both of those um, is not not being drawn to necessarily to one of those poles. It isn't, it isn't that you can, so like you don't want to try to blot out a feeling. Just realize that a feeling is a thing that's happening. That doesn't make the problem good. It doesn't make your physical pain good. It doesn't make your being fired good. But those are all, those are all things that are happening. And then there's, there'll be a point probably where they're not happening. Yeah. But in any case, you don't make it better by trying to make it go go away, right? And I think you don't make it better by acting like it's not there. Mm-hmm. So that's, so, so, so disruptions. Yeah, I mean, it can be difficult to do, but like keep an eye on the emotions that you're feeling and ask yourself, you know, in a, in a gentle way, like how you feel about that, right? And I know I will discover for myself that I'm mad at myself at being mad about myself about being emotional. 
And like, that's really not good. <laughs> like a disruption's gonna happen. Right. You know? And um, I don't know. I know this sounds like, like kind of like, uh, kind of a little bit like goo goo gaga California stuff, but you know, I don't know of other ways to do that. I do feel like there's a funny pattern in people. I actually had this discussion too. There's something that's very, this very odd thing that happens where I meet people and it's very similar to a concept I've called dumb guy confidence, where sometimes it seems like the dumber somebody is, the more confident they are about their beliefs and opinions and, and coolness and whatever. But it's similar to dumb guy confidence, but it, I sometimes feel like I encounter people where the more confident they are, the more self-aware they think they are, the less self-aware they probably are. Maybe it's just a dash of Dunning-Kruger. But like, what if you cut yourself a break and you said, I've decided not to let it bother me. I, it, it's not that I have decided that I will be happy forever starting now. It's not that I've decided I'm going to go live in a toilet because I'm the worst. It's just going to be, it's just going to be a gentle inclination uh, towards saying, ah, do I have to, do I have to have this millstone? Whether that's the millstone of, of false belief one way or the other, or the millstone of, you know, Pollyanna stuff. Anyway, try not to let it bother you. <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> Because, you know, eventually, as my, uh, as my wonderful late grandmother used to quote, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. What would you say to our friend Richard A. about disruption? You know, I, I think I'm, I'm a person who, who likes routines also. But mm -hmm. I, I used to get, you know, upset's the wrong word. But, I mean, I used to feel the disruption strongly if I got out of a, of a routine. And... I would sometimes feel stress around knowledge that I was going to be out of a routine. And it was something that used to, I noticed especially tough for yeah. me. It's like you're when, bracing for a blow. Yes, exactly. And, you know, if I was going to do something like traveling or something like that, where I, my goal was always to try to, as much as possible, replicate, recreate, and reinforce whatever routine I had, even when I was traveling. So what that meant was a <laughs> Oh God, that's the worst Buddhist curse. Like trying to turn your hotel room into your house. Into your There's house. There's no way. There's no way that will work out. You're going to make no. yourself so sad. And, but I didn't, I didn't figure that out for a very long time. And, yeah. and I was creating so much stress for myself because here I would, you know, I was like trying to basically bring, there's this great scene in, uh, in best in show. You remember that movie? Oh, um, love it. Love or the, 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 the two, try, try to find busy B. <laughs> yes. Not, not that couple, but the other couple, um, gosh, I forgot the name of the, the two actors, but they're, they're so good. Oh, with the and, uh, two left feet. Um, no, no. The other one, the, the gay couple that have the, the oh, little, God, yes, yes, yes. And yes. when they're in their hotel room, they're like, <gasps> and they've got all their outfits. They've oh got their God. outfits and kimonos and they're hanging like tapestries <laughs> on the <laughs> wall. For, creams. Yes. I love them so much. And it's so funny. And it's like, they're converting that into their, for the one, two nights that they're going to be there, they're converting it into their house basically. Yeah, and I, right, I always right. used to think about that and laugh. Cause I, like I was basically doing the same thing. And if you forget one, one cable. Like, oh yeah. Would have let you do like, I'll be, Oh God, I forgot, they, they got an HDMI input. And I forgot my HDMI cable. That's like, right. Whoa, That's right. Your brakes, man. Yeah. And, and that was the thing that I but don't, you, you also are describing the, I'm sorry, you're the greatest thing, which is that like, it's terrible when disruption happens. But if you're have the personality of somebody like Tan or me, it's your, it's your concern right. for the possibility of the eventuality of a possible disruption. And now you've done that to yourself. 
You, you, you don't even need the disruption. You've now reprogrammed your own wires and plumbing, if you can do that. You've reprogrammed your own thinking in a way that is very harmful because now you have become your own tormentor. <sighs> um, so so my, my, my tip, though, for people who are going through... Give me through, a tip, Dan. Come what on, I was it's going Christmas. Damn it. Give me a tip. Your best bet is to try, and this is, this is the crazy part, if you completely give up every kind of clinging that you have to making it the way that you want it to be and say, it's not going to be the way I want it to be. Nothing about this is going to be the way I want to be. And the more I try to make it my own house or a certain way, the more stress and frustration I will feel. But if I just say, you know what, I'm not going to try to make mm-hmm. it, and it, you know, okay, one thing that's maybe important to me, I like a sound machine when I sleep. So I've got an app on my phone. I can have a sound machine going, but you know what? Everything else, I'm just going to see what happens. I'm just going to roll with it and, <laughs> and, and I bet I'll make it through. And yeah. that for me was so hard to do. But after I did it that first time, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to try and do this. It was so much better because It's like you were saying before, it's almost that second arrow thing where I was making it very hard on myself because the whole time I was there, I was Mm -hmm. saying, this is wrong. This isn't what it's supposed to be like. I'm supposed to have this thing or I'm supposed to have this this way or whatever. And once I kind of let go of that, it went away. I, I I I I did the right things. Why is, why is the universe conspiring against me? I tried so hard and I had my list and I checked it twice and I brought toothpaste, even though every city also has toothpaste. Like I did all of, I did all of those things. And like now you're, you're secondarily or tertiarily mad at yourself and the world because you're like, that's not fair. That's, it's not fair that I did the stuff I needed to do to recreate my home in a hotel room. And it's not flawless. So now I'm mad at everybody, including or especially me. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I want to close with, mm-hmm. thank you very much for today. And thank you to all of our listeners. I want to close uh, today with a recommendation. Uh, this is a podcast I've mentioned, I think, numerous times on here. It's such a good podcast, and it's called Cautionary Tales. Uh, and again, this is, this is this, uh, this English fella who talks about like stuff we can learn from like, you know, things we can learn about the big stuff from like little stuff or things we can learn about the little stuff from big stuff, um, where people succumb to being human, right? Whether that is following the orders of someone in uniform, even though that was just somebody wearing a suit, like, why do we do that? It totally makes sense that we do that because we're soldiers and we do what we're told or what we can learn from, uh, God, what was the one recently? Just you can check it out. I already put this one episode into show notes. Cautionary Tales with Tim Harford. Highly recommend it. Once again. Once again. This latest episode. <laughs> his show just came. Mario Parasol Furiosa. You know, we watched the film yesterday. Oh, you did? I was just thinking that it might make a perfect Christmas movie. It's so orange and blue. It's so orange That's and blue. That's the best part of it, Marvin. And you know, it's got Odie. Odie is, uh, is Gavin Belson from uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah. I told my daughter this like five times while we're watching Silicon Valley. I was like, That's Odie from, uh, from the Aviator. So, oh, whatever. So we're watching it. And she says, See, that's, 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 that's Gavin Belson. She said, You said his name was Augie. I was like, Oh, you're right. I did. I'm stupid. Anyway, that's Augie. <laughs> So this latest episode, once again, 
improbably, this show just get I want to say better and better, but they're all great. This latest episode is called Bowie, Jazz, and the Unplayable Piano. And I don't want to spoil too much. There's not really much to spoil, but I really super encourage you guys to listen to this. 32 minutes, 47 seconds. Bowie Jazz and the Unplayable Piano. Um, and I'm literally not going to tell you what the episode's about, except to say, Richard A. and other friends, mm-hmm. sometimes we need disruption in a way that it would be impossible for us uh, to imagine, let alone like, like allow, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, sometimes in life, we need to introduce disruption because things can be career-changing or life-changing. One anecdote that's probably the smallest anecdote in this, but so interesting when, um, I believe it's in New York City, when the, uh, what was it? That it was, I think it was a strike, like a, like a, like a um, subway strike, right? People's yeah. commutes were really disrupted. And long story short, you had to find creative ways to get to work. And they did a study on this, posposably. The study found that there are a bunch of people who like had to find like creative routes, routes to get to work, you know, um, and all they discovered like a huge percentage of people obviously had to change the way they get to work right. in order just for that period of time. And what, but what they discovered was something like 50% of the people who had made that change um, ended up sticking with the new way that they were getting to work because they'd never tried anything but all a one way. And something like 50% of the people ended up uh, sticking with the new way because they'd never tried it before. They had to find different ways. The same way John Roderick never takes the same route twice. I, I mean, <laughs> there's all kinds about there's all kinds of things about that that might be ridiculous. Not least of which is, well, do people continue to do that for the rest of their career? Are they John Roderick? But but the but it illustrates a point, which is like, no, we don't want to be disrupted. We want our hotel to be a house. Right. We want our dog to win. Right. Um, we um we crave that familiarity that tells us that we're safe. And we will go to uh, uh, really great efforts to try and keep ourselves feeling safe. And, you know, so thematically, I guess what I want to end with is Bowie Jazz and the Unplayable Piano. Why is it that sometimes when something disruptive happens to us, like, and we embrace it even, or find a way to see the positive in it, like it becomes, as Terry Gilliam said, uh, as he said to Robin Williams one day, you know, um, a mistake is a Buddhist gift. Like this is an opportunity for your life to change a little bit. So that's a good way to, uh, to end the year. I think. I love it. Do you think we helped people this year? Yes. I guarantee you this was the year of the most help. Really? Yes. You by volume? Yes. Or by weight? Quantity. Do you think some settling could occur? Uh, like in the, in the, um, like in a box of flakes, in the cement layer. Cement layer. (laughs) Okay, let's button this up. All right. (laughs) Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.